It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. We hope that each of you had a very Merry Christmas. We are going to be doing our last episode in our Christmas series today to round out December. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun. Something completely different, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, But before we get into that, we just wanted to let you guys know a few things that Tabitha and I have been discussing and going over for... 2024 planning of the podcast. I can't believe 2024 is here. I don't know where 2023 went. I know. (laughs) I'm like, really? Um, So we want you guys to know that we have opened our calendar for 2024. So if you would like to have Purposeful Women of God as a guest at your church or women's event, please reach out as soon as possible. We do have limited time slots available. Um, We do have a couple options. We can come individually, we can come together, or we also have the option to record a live podcast episode at your event, which is a lot of fun. We really enjoyed that this past year. We did do that. We we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, So if you would like to schedule us, just reach out at purposefulwomenofgod at gmail.com or go to our website at purposefulwomenofgod.com and you can fill out the contact form on our contacts page. Mm -hmm. So the second thing that we wanted to mention, and we don't talk about this a lot on the podcast. Um, but we are listener funded. That's the way that we're able to continue doing this podcast and bringing it to you each week, getting any kind of equipment that we need, improving things is by listener donations. Um, we were very lucky last year to have a very generous donor Mm -hmm. that allowed us to put on, to help put on the ladies event that we did last year help to get some additional equipment, um, some things that we needed for our office. And so we just, we can't say enough about their generosity and what we were able to do with that. Mm -hmm. So if you are a business or just an individual that's been touched by the show and you would love to sponsor, please reach out to us again at purposefulwomenofgod at gmail.com. Or you can also contact us through our website, purposefulwomenofgod.com. And that's just the way that we're able to keep coming to you each week. Right. And, you know, the more that we're able to to grow, the more we're able to do. So. Right. And then finally, we are excited to share with all of you that Purposeful Women of God has been listened to in 31 countries. Can which you is really that? cool. We actually looked at that statistic not that long ago and we're like, wow. Yeah. That's really neat. And of course, several states throughout the United States. And it's all because of each one of you mm-hmm. sharing the podcast and getting it out there. So we just want to remind you if an episode speaks to your heart or if you have a friend or family member that maybe needs some encouragement or is wanting to dive a little bit deeper into their studies of the word of God, share, share the podcast Mm -hmm. every chance that you get, you know, that's the only way that we'll be able to get God's word out to the masses. And that's what we're trying to do. We just want to share the gospel. So 
you know, send it to um, your small group at church, some of your friends at church, and also make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook to get updates throughout the week. And we know that we've kind of took a step back on social, but we are looking to get a little bit more involved next year, trying to figure out more of a strategic plan for social media for next year. So what is best suited for us? That's right. What's best <laughs> suited for us in what we're trying to do and accomplish. So make sure you're sharing our social media posts when we post them and in our pages and liking and commenting. That's the only way we get notice for what we're doing and we're able to get the gospel out there. Yeah. So we're super excited about 2024, but we want to finish out 2023 with this series. And, you know, over the past few weeks, we've looked at different characters within the story of Jesus's birth. We began by looking at Mary and Joseph and what they must have felt during that time. Then we did a study on angels as they played an integral part of telling the birth of Jesus Christ. And then last week, we talked about the reason we celebrate Christmas, the actual birth of Jesus. We walked through prophecy in the Old Testament, the birth of Jesus himself, and then the hope that we can have through the anticipation of his return for the saved. But there are some things that took place after Jesus was born. So there are two groups of people that came to celebrate and worship this baby that was born. And that leads us to who we're going to examine today the shepherds, and the wise men, which are often referred to as the magi. And so we'll be using that interchangeably today. Um, So these two groups of people more than likely had nothing in common outside of their desire to see the Messiah, this baby named Jesus who was born to be the Savior of the world. And just as we've discussed before, these two accounts are in different books of the Bible. In Luke, we can read the account of the shepherds being visited by a host of angels declaring the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew, we can read the account of the wise men following a star to where Jesus was. But what about the little drummer boy, Ashley? Come on. <laughs> I'm not so sure he was in the story, was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't in the story. That's a part that has just evolved yeah. you know, throughout history and become a piece of tradition. Um, but is not a part of the Christmas story according to the Bible. But we are going to begin looking in Luke at the shepherd's account. So we ended our reading in Luke last week as Jesus was born and laid in a manger. And this week we'll pick up in Luke 2, verse 8. And it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. 
Why did God reveal that his son was born to a lowly group of shepherds first? I think that's the question that everybody right. always asks. We always Why think the about shepherds that. first? You know, Jesus came to turn the world right side up. He does everything the opposite of what the world or humanity would expect him to. It's what Jesus does. He declared things like in Matthew 19, 30, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus empowers the weak, the marginalized, and the poor. Jesus says things like the meek shall inherit the earth in Matthew 5 and blessed are the poor. And that's why instead of revealing himself to kings and governors, he revealed himself to the lowly shepherds, the poorest of the poor, the humble. What did the shepherds do? They listened to the angels and they responded. They immediately made their way to find this baby who the angels declared was Christ the Lord. And they didn't keep it to themselves. They started spreading the word that the Messiah was born. They shared about all they had seen, the angels, the baby, the manger, everything. And it says, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Can you imagine what they were thinking <laughs> when these shepherds went up to him and, hey, he's here, the Messiah's yeah. here, his baby is, you know, we followed this, all these things. I mean, they're crazy. Right. They, you know, they've lost their minds. But I can imagine that some really truly believed what mm-hmm. they were saying. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, once again, you just think about everything that had unfolded that night, everything that they saw. And I, I can't imagine. The angel and just yeah. that pr- the presence of that angel and running to find the baby. But and there had to be something on their countenance, you yes. know, as they left, just praising oh. God because they had seen this Messiah that yeah. had been prophesied for so many years. But the Bible talks a lot about shepherds throughout Scripture. So I want to talk a little bit about you know, the significance of shepherds and maybe why God did choose to show the Messiah first. Um, Shepherds symbolize God's loving guidance, protection, and provision for his people. In an article found in asheeplikefaith.com, it gives such a great analogy of what shepherds would do for their flock. It says, when it rains on the sheep, the shepherds get wet. And that seems a little obvious, I know, (laughs) but let's think about this. So number one, shepherds leave the comfort of their human homes where they naturally belong to be with the sheep in the natural environment of their sheep. Shepherds spend so much time with their sheep that they begin to smell like them because they encompass themselves so much in the sheep's environment. But not only that, shepherds spend so much time with their sheep that they become familiar and trusted to the sheep. It says in this article, the sheep's experience of a shepherd's gentleness, kindness, and faithful provision makes a shepherd a person the sheep are able to relate to and even accept as a part of their flock. And finally, shepherds subject themselves to share in the consequences of the same environment and circumstances of the sheep. This article went on to say that shepherds eat while sheep rest and graze nearby. They draw drinking water from the same water source They sleep on the same ground. When it's hot where the sheep are, the shepherds are hot. When it's cold where the sheep are, the shepherds are cold. And when it rains where the sheep are, guess what? The shepherds shepherds get get wet. (laughs) Which brings us to what Jesus said himself in John 10, beginning in verse 11. So Ashley, will you read that for us? It says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. 
As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of his fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And then it goes on to say in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Mm-hmm. I mean, could it be <laughs> that Jesus was revealed first to the shepherds because he himself could relate to the shepherd? He would be the yeah. one to leave the comforts of heaven to ingrain himself in our environment. He would earn the respect of his followers by lovingly and kindly shepherding them. And ultimately, he would experience the consequences of living among his sheep by giving his life for them. Mm -hmm. And as it says in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He became, Jesus became the sacrifice because of his love for the sheep. And isn't that what ultimately makes a good shepherd? That's right. Yeah, it's one that's willing to give his life to protect his sheep. And Jesus gave the ultimate display of love for his sheep by coming to this earth and giving his life to pay the penalty for our sins. And all of this just reminds me, we played it for our little Christmas program that we did with the kids before we left our Wednesday night activities um, at our Christmas party, but the chosen mm-hmm. Christmas story, they do it in the eyes of the shepherds. So if you haven't seen that, you can actually on the chosen app or even on YouTube, you can just Google the chosen, the shepherd, and you, you just see this story unfold from the shepherd's eyes. And it's really, really neat. It is really good. Really good. It's very good. Yep. And you guys are going to have to forgive me. The whole time <laughs> I've been talking, I think we just had to pause for just a second because I have a frog in Time my throat. Frog. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really sorry. Um, it keeps coming back and I keep clearing my throat. And <laughs> yeah. So if we sound a, sound a little different, that's, that's why we're, we're working on you it. Know, my though. whole family through this yes, whole season when you have a big family, sickness goes through each person, yep. and it takes like a month. And it's just but been lingering for it's y'all. It's just lingering. I feel so bad yes. for y'all. <laughs> Hopefully, though, y'all y'all are on the mend, though. I hope, I hope. so. So, you know, then in Matthew, we see that the wise men make their way to Jesus as well. So let's read this account together. And this is found starting in Matthew 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And now Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So, you know, we often have some assumptions about the wise <laughs> men that we see in Christmas plays every year. We often assume because there were three gifts mentioned that there were three wise men, but we don't know. There could have actually been many more than just the three. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't say, so we just really don't know. You know, early church traditions actually believe that there could have been 12. But truth of the matter is, we just really don't know. And I've seen that some scholars have even said that they would have, could have traveled with an entourage. Oh, yeah. You know, it could have been not just the men themselves. They could have had you know, servants and things like that right, that, that would have traveled with them. With them. Mm-hmm. And another assumption that we often make is that the wise men appeared at the manger scene. You know, usually in the Christmas plays, they mm-hmm. come and Mary and Joseph are there with a baby and come and bring their gifts. But it tells us in verse 11 that they went to the house of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus and saw the young child. So by the time the wise men arrived, Jesus would have been at least a toddler. Right. So, however, the shepherds did go to the manger to find baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, we know that the Magi were wise men from the east, most likely Persia or modern-day Iran. This means they would have traveled 800 to 900 miles to see Jesus. Can you imagine that? And that's why it took so long. That's why they didn't come to the manger because they had a long way to go. 800 to 900 (laughs) miles on donkeys, camels, whatever they were riding on. I just think half the time we can't get people to drive five minutes to get to the church. <laughs> and these people just... In comforter, comfortable cars. Yes. <laughs> Air and heat. Yeah. And, um, anyways, they would have known to look for the coming Messiah from prophecies found in Daniel 9. And even Numbers twenty four seventeen mentions a star coming out of Jacob. They would have been wealthy. Some scholars believe they could have been kings. But the Bible doesn't really clarify that. So we don't know if they were actually kings or not. But considering that they are following a star signifies that they could quite possibly have been astrologers Mm -hmm. of that day. The Bible tells us they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all very costly. So it's evident that they brought the very best for this new king. Some Christians believe that these gifts are symbolic in their meaning, which, as we've discussed before, there are no coincidences when it comes Mm -hmm. to God's word. Gold is a symbol of divinity, which would have pointed to the identity of who Jesus was, God's son. And then frankincense was a fragrant, often burnt as an offering to God, which could signify the fact that they've come to worship him or the fact that Jesus himself would give himself as a sacrifice. Myrrh was a spice used for embalming. 
And according to Christianity.com, it symbolizes bitterness and suffering. This could symbolize how Jesus would grow up to suffer and die. When you think about all those things, that's just... You know, we don't we don't put all of that into perspective mm-hmm. of what it could actually mean. What and that could have symbolized. Yeah, but... There is a lot of significance about the gifts that they chose. Yeah. It would be impossible to talk about the wise men without mentioning Herod as well, because he plays yeah, a big part, big part in the storytelling of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, there is a sinister, evil account that accompanies the story of the wise men, as Ashley had already read. And, you know, that's one part of the Christmas story. We don't like to tell that part. Right. Because no. it's really gruesome. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Rodney Reeves in the podcast, What You Didn't Know About the Bible, talks more in depth about this. So I think what we'll do is link that episode um, of his Christmas show into our show notes because he does really relate this and gives a lot of history when it comes to Herod and the wise men. So this part of the story, as we said, is very gruesome. It's hard to read. However, the wise men came to King Herod expecting that he had had a son because he was the king over Bethlehem, right? Right. right. So it would just make sense that I don't know if the star led them there, you know, because once again, there are no coincidences, right. but they ended up in front of Herod expecting that he had had a son. And so they were coming to congratulate him basically for the future king. But when they got there, they realized that Herod had not had a son at this time. And of course, Herod was threatened by this news, especially knowing the prophecy from the Old Testament that the king of the Jews would come from Bethlehem. And in his jealous rage, he has all of the boys two years old and under killed to wipe away any threat to his kingdom. I can't imagine that. I can't either. I mean, can you imagine the families and the parents that lived in this um, and I, I've so even read cruel. some things that he had his, some of his own children killed because he was just a wow. terrible, evil person. But ultimately, King Herod's plan is then thwarted when an angel appears to Joseph and tells him to leave and go to Egypt. And, and he doesn't return until after Herod's death. The Bible also tells us that the wise men were warned of God not to return to Herod, and in their obedience, after they come and worship Jesus, they go home another way to avoid Herod. And then once Herod realizes all of this, that's when he has all of these young boys killed. So as awful as this king was, not even he could change the plan of God to have Jesus killed at this time, because Jesus's time had not yet come. He wasn't meant to die when he was two years old. Jesus was meant to grow up to have an earthly ministry. And then, you know, he would die on a cross as an adult man. And he would have been in his early 30s, typically around 33 is what scholars say. So, you know, that was all part of God's plan. And King Herod, even though he was awful and he tried to um, extinguish God's plan... When it's God's plan, it's God's plan. It's yeah. going to fulfill how he wants, wants it, it to, to be That's done. exactly right. So what's the purpose for us learning about the shepherds and the wise men today? We see through the revelation from the books of Matthew and Luke that Jesus came for all. And that's what I really love about this story yeah. is that from Luke's account, we see that he came from the for the lowly shepherds and yeah. the poor to the distinguished magi that Matthew shares about. Right. And so that's true for us today. He came for all of us. 
It tells us in Romans that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not just for the poor. He's not just for the rich. He came as a baby, took on flesh, and ultimately gave his life for the sins of the entire world. There's no respect of persons when it comes to the gospel. The good news of Jesus is for everyone. And I think that that's that's what this story and the purpose of this story is to reveal to us is that no matter your background, no matter where you come from, what color your skin is, God loves us all. And he sent his son, Jesus, for each and every one of us. That's exactly right. So what's the challenge for us this week? We see the obedience of the shepherds and the wise men throughout this story. From the shepherds believing the angels and responding to the wise men being aware, following the star, and then listening to God when he gave them directions that sent them another way. You know, he basically God changed their plan too because it would have been a longer way for them to go home. But they obeyed because of their faith. And any time we are presented with a decision to obey God or not, we must examine our faith. And that just made me think about Derek preached a message Sunday about Mary's faith. Yeah. And I think throughout this entire series, we ha- we have seen this common theme, faith that what God said is true, and then obedience to walk in that faith to accomplish his will. And once again, we can learn from each of these people in our own lives. So my challenge this week is to examine your faith. Do you believe that God's word is true? Do you believe that Jesus is real? Do you believe that he was born of a virgin and came for all and that whoever believes in him will be saved? Then respond accordingly. Obey his word in everything. Don't just pick and choose what you want to do or want to believe. Obey him with your life. You know, and that just makes me think that maybe if someone is listening who has heard the story of Jesus their entire life, but they've never given their life to Christ. Maybe now is your time to believe in faith that this story is true and to give your heart and your life over to God. Um, Or maybe you've heard this story over and over and over again every year when we tell it at Christmas, and it's just become redundant, I guess. It's become a story. It's just become a story. It's just to remember that these were real people Mm -hmm. who responded in faith and that we are giving the opportunity every day throughout our own lives to walk in faith and to respond in obedience to what God is calling us to do. So my challenge is just to do that. Whatever God wants you to do, do it. Do it. Yeah. I like that. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Will you just close us out in a word of prayer? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. Lord, we thank you, God, as we close out this year um, that you have just allowed us to have this podcast and to be able to share your word with other people. God, we thank you that once again um, for this holiday season and this Christmas season, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, um, as a baby born and that we can celebrate that. And we just thank you for the example of obedience and faith of those within this story that we can learn so much. God, we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have listened to all four episodes in this Christmas series, thank you so much. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We will begin a new series next week as we bring in the new year together. If you're looking to grow in your faith in 2024, you do not want to miss our series beginning next week. We hope that you have a great rest of your week. Come back and see us next week. And remember, as always, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya.